0: I want, to, I want to start with this message this morning <clears throat> uh, using a scripture from Isaiah chapter 54, uh, verse 17. <clears throat> and it's a, f- a familiar scripture to a lot of Christians. It talks about uh, my faith is taking me someplace. And this particular scripture says that no weapon formed against you Shall prosper. But I want to give you a promise from the Word of God that you can hold on to. Here's a truth that will take you through the tough times when you feel like there's a target painted on your back and all your enemies are shooting at you, and that old devil Satan and all of his demons are on your trail. So, Isaiah 54 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. The last part of the verse says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. But every tongue that will, and let me go in the middle, every tongue that will rise, which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. There are several things here about this promise that you need to give special consideration to. The first, the prophet said, this promise is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So what does that mean? Simply this. If you're not a servant of the Lord, disregard this promise. If you're not serving God, then you don't qualify for this particular benefit. So what does it mean to serve God? It means to listen to the voice of God. It means pay attention to what He says and then do whatever He tells you to do. Secondly, if you're serving God, be sure you understand what the promise is. The Bible doesn't say that no weapon will be formed against you. <clears throat> That's not what it says. When you come to Jesus and you start to get serious about serving Jesus Christ, believe me, there are going to be some weapons formed against you. And the devil's going to see to that. See, the devil put you on his hit list. When you were his, you were already his on his list. He didn't really have to bother with you. So don't ever think that just because you're a born-again Christian living for Christ that you're immune and shielded from all opposition. If you're God's servant, weapons have been formed against you. The fiery darts of the wicked one are already being aimed your way. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, I believe, says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to trial you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So what does the promise in Isaiah say? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The weapon will be formed, but it won't thrive. It won't bloom. It won't flourish because no weapon formed against you, child of God, will succeed. Oh yeah, the devil, he's going to come at you and he's going to do so in so many ways and in so many areas he'll form a weapon of financial pressure but because you're serving God, God will supply all your need the devil he'll he'll launch the weapon of strife or unrest against your household, but God will honor your faithful service and he'll speak peace upon your family the devil will bring sickness and disease, fear and calamities to your house, but no weapon formed against you will prosper and succeed. See, no no matter what men may try to do against you, God will help you to withstand every attack, win every battle, come through every trial, and overcome every difficulty and discouragement. See, I know that when things start to go wrong, you have some friends who might gather around you and say, yeah, you must be out of the will of God. Looks like you're being punished for your sins. I told you you weren't gonna make it. Well, if you were right with God, surely you wouldn't be going through so much trouble. Don't believe that. That's a lie from the devil. Do you remember the accusations of Job's comforters? Even his wife She turned on him and she said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, too many church members in our churches today don't understand that faith is not a vaccination that'll keep you from catching trouble ever again. See, a lot of people want to get saved and go to church for a one hour feel good service on Sunday and then the rest of the week, you know, So when that devil forms a weapon against them, a lot of times if they don't have a solid foundation, they'll begin to panic. And when trouble comes their way, they're not really ready for it. And the devil, the Bible says, has a roaring lion, comes into their backyard, seeking to devour them, and they'll have a heart attack right there. They'll throw up their hands and cry out, God, God, what's going on? Where are you? I feel so alone. Well, the first thing that comes their way seems to overwhelm them. And they might fall down and start having a pity party all by themselves. And the next thing, you know, they'll they'll quit coming to church. Well, I didn't really get nothing out of that church anyway. I, I didn't like some of them people there. And they'll quit associating with people who know God, who fast and pray and study His Word, and those who could encourage them in the Lord and can testify about what God can do. But it seems like some people, for whatever reason, they throw up their hands at the first sign of opposition, and they start associating with some people in the church who may be lukewarm or somewhat indifferent. But I I ask you this morning, whose servant are you? The Bible says the heritage of God's servants is this, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. So if the weapons are prospering and if they seem like they're succeeding, what does that say? We have to take a look at whose servants they really are. It really doesn't matter what an individual claims to be if they're not living it. But God's truth, the Bible says, stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. The apostle James said, faith without works is dead. The book of Acts tells about seven sons of uh, Sceva and they were called vagabond Jews in Acts chapter 19 and they were traveling from town to town casting out spirits, evil spirits. And they tried to use the name of the Lord in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. In verse 15, but when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, he speaks to them. He said, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Now look what happened next in verse 16. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The evil spirit beat the living daylights Out of those men. Isn't that something? See, God's promise is for his people, his servants. And it says that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. This is the heritage of the saints of the Lord. Another version says it like this. People will make weapons to fight against you. But their weapons will not defeat you. Some people will say things against you. But anyone who speaks against you will be proven wrong. The Lord says... This is what my servants get. They get the good things that come from me, their Lord. Well, the key focus in this text is not upon the fact that no weapon is formed against you is going to prosper. That's what people shout about, but that's not really the key. There's a condition to be met before that clause is in effect. The condition is you must be a servant of the Lord. The key to having no weapons succeed against you is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist David said, I'm a servant of the Lord. And what's more, I serve the Lord with gladness. David woke up every morning with a desire burning deep inside of him to enter into the presence of the Lord. He said in Psalm 122 verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do we say that every Sunday or Wednesday or whenever? See, there's something about God's house that's different from any other house. And that difference isn't the style of the church. It's not how high the steeple is. It's not stained glass windows or pews or chairs. The thing that makes a church building God's house is that the presence of the Lord is in that place. There are are buildings that have All the outward appearances of a church and inside there are various religious functions and church activities where things seem to be going on. And men with theological or divinity degrees speaks from uh, much study and learning, but there's something absent from their messages. They have the letter of the word, but the Bible says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You see, some can have the word on ice and others have the word on fire. So when you visit this kind of church, you you sense an emptiness. Everything is there except the presence of the Lord. And that's the important thing. God's not attracted to facilities or how pretty the building is. He's attracted to hearts that are open to Him and people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. See, when we open our hearts to God and pour out our very being on the altar of sacrifice before Him, that attracts God. That gets God's attention. Then He'll come, and then He'll get involved in our worship. And then we'll have an encounter with the Lord. Have you ever had an encounter with God? Have you ever just basked in His presence? When God called me to preach, I've told this before, but... I was in a worship service and the visiting minister had a prayer line. And I remember saying, God, I'm going to go and get in that prayer line because I need some answers. And I went through that line and God did touch me, but not in the way that I thought he would or he should have. And I reminded him about it when I got back to my seat. Lord, I said, I still ain't got no answer from you. And right when I said that, he spoke to my heart and as clear as a bell, he said, that which you have asked of me, I have granted to you. So he called me from his word a short time before, but I, but I was doubting that. I, I wanted to hear more than just reading something in the word. But anyway, I didn't doubt no more after that. But there that night, he sealed it and he called me to preach his word. Now, I couldn't wait to testify, and through the tears and the joy that was sweeping over me, I jumped up right in the middle of the church. I don't know if he was still preaching or what. I probably was out of order, but I didn't know what else to do. So I just jumped up, and everybody just looked over me and and listened. And I told the church what God had just done. And little did I know that just in eight or ten years, God would take Bev and I and Jonathan halfway around the world to preach His gospel. So if God has spoken to your heart about something that He wants to do in your life, some call He has dealt with you about, it's not too late to be obedient to that call. See, whatever He has begun begun in you, let Him complete it. Let Him do His work. Let Him do it His way. Amen? So if you're going through something that's keeping you down or keeping you depressed and and out of His will, Give that to Him, and He can take care of it. Let let Him remove anything in your life that might be unholy or unclean or impure and not Christ-like. And learn to cry out and say, Oh God, my God, do something in my life. Change the things in my life that are unlike You and and would cause my heart to harden toward You. See, stay in His presence and let Him do His work. Don't be in a hurry to get back to that, which is the usual. Stay in his presence until God gets done with you what he wants to do in your life. Some of you probably had the devil you felt like has been coming at you all week long. And here you are at church this morning. And while you're here, you surely want to be in his presence. Amen. You don't want to come in here and rush through the service so you can go to a restaurant and eat. And that's what I think when people say... Well, we're used to getting out at 12 o'clock. A lot of churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. See, I don't dress up and come to church, Austin, to go home. I come to church to have church because this is the only Sunday there is. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But some of you have had the devil hanging out around your house. But here you are this morning, and hopefully you want to get into His presence. And maybe you've come to lay at His feet all of the junk that's been coming at you this past week. And you want to hear from the Lord because He's the only one who can offer you everlasting peace and joy. See, we come in here, hopefully, to get our minds off of our problem, off of ourselves, and get them onto God. Only then can we expect heaven to open and the Spirit to come in and do His work. See, you get heaven to open up by walking in righteousness. And then you allow the Spirit of God to come in and fill you up with His presence with Himself. And He comes to abide in your life forever. See, the Holy Ghost doesn't come to drive you. He comes to lead you. And when the Holy Ghost has come, God will testify to you that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen? Amen? There were hundreds of people at John's baptism, but heaven was only open to one man that day. Only one man received the empowerment, the endowment, the the, the baptism, the the cover, the energizing of the Holy Ghost, the enablement of God, and that was Jesus, the God-man. See, the enemy had formed countless weapons against me and probably you through the years. And there have been times in my life when I felt like he tried to destroy me and my And there have been times when the enemy has tried to destroy the church. He's tried to destroy you and your families. But you're still here. You're still breathing. Amen. You, You might not think that you have much to praise him about, but then you manage to get one hand up and you begin to thank him for saving you and taking care of you and coming to you. And when you feel like you're going down for the last time, you say, hey, God, I just need a, a touch, and here comes God, and he touches you just where you need him to minister to you. People may have counted you out. I'll use Tommy again. Tommy don't mind me talking about him. I'm sure a lot of people counted you out, saying he's, he's into that religious thing again. But this time, you've got more than religion. The Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Amen? And, and same way with Chris Holston and others here. Jesus got a hold of them. And just because I say this, the enemy's going to attack you just because I'm saying this. But you just, just look at him and say, hey, devil, just point him back to this service. No, just point him back to that last book in the Bible and remind him of what's going to happen to him one day. Yeah, he's got a lot to worry about. Just let him look, read the back. I'm sure he's read it, and he wishes it wasn't there. But payday's coming for Lucifer. Amen. Amen. But that old song of the church says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is what washes us clean. Amen. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, whose report? Will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Why? Because we want to do God's will. We want to be his servant. We want to give our life for his purpose and his use. So no weapon formed against us, child of the king, can prosper and succeed because we are the servants of the most high God. Amen. And by his grace and mercy, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We might be talked about, made fun of, but if you're worth your salt at all as a man or woman of God, you will be talked about. But stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. For he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will go with you to the ends of the earth. See, somebody or something is gonna come against you. If you stand up for Jesus Christ, you're gonna be attacked or you will be persecuted. In John 15, it talks about Uh, The world's hatred, Jesus said in verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, Christ expected his followers in and out to bear fruit. He didn't expect them to produce fruit. He just said bear it. And not just some fruit, but much fruit. You know as well as I do, for others to be impressed with our lifestyles or good deeds, then we must be consistent. Amen? Amen. Unbelievers, they're very sensitive to our inconsistencies. And oftentimes they look for them. So if we're to bear the kind of fruit Jesus is talking about, the kind of fruit that's going to draw others to our way of believing, then there must be a regular harvest. So the second thing that's clear from John 15 is that which Jesus calls us to do It is impossible. Not not merely difficult, not, not simply a struggle, not just hard, impossible. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Nothing. That should come as some good news. No matter how many weapons Satan comes our way with or formed against us, We're not living this life in and of ourselves. We cannot live the Christian life apart from Jesus Christ. At least not with the consistency that's necessary to accomplish what Jesus has called us to accomplish. The power that you have and that I have does not come from ourselves. It comes from the Lord. See, we succeed through the power of faith in God. And the reason I am who I am today is because of who Jesus is. And the reason I'm still standing is because of Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of my faith. I was created in God before the foundation of the world. And I've come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. I'm on schedule. I didn't come before my time. I'm here in season. And because of that, no weapon formed against me is going to succeed. God called me to be His servant for this particular time at this church, then I still have to be on guard against the enemy who is forever discharging his weapons, trying to take me out. But he can't do it unless God gives him permission to do it. You see, God chose you. Now let you people that just joined the church. Now here's how some people are. There's no commitment whatsoever in them. They'll go to two or three churches. And never latch on to anything. They're, they're like that, 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 that neighborhood dog that does a lot of barking, but don't get nothing done. And, and they'll keep, you know, keep going. But no, I believe in commitment. I believe in anchoring your feet somewhere. Don't have to be this church, but if you're going to come here, then I believe you are to be a committed member to the church. Why? Because the devil, we can do more together than we can by ourselves. Amen. And Jesus has called us. I was raised in a Methodist church. Nothing against a Methodist. My dad, I'd put him up against anybody on planet Earth. But I got saved, really saved, in the Church of God at Hampton. And I believe that's where God wanted me to be. And that's why I'm in the Church of God today. Is it the only church? No. But we're out there with the rest, prodding along, Winning men and women to Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. Amen? He said, though you were dead in your trespasses and sins, He quickened you. He made you alive. So God's doing something in your life that's far greater than you could ever imagine. He's not just delivering you from the forces of evil and everything that goes along with that, but He will even deliver you from yourself. You have to work to perform. You have to have a will to conform to. God, God wants to use you. He wants to use you mightily. For it's God, Philippians two thirteen says, who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And God wants to overshadow you. He wants to breathe on you. He wants to anoint you. He may call some of you to preach or teach. He wants you to be a witness, his witness. He wants you to obey him in all that you do. See, God didn't save you to come to church and sit and say amen. He didn't save you to come to Sunday morning services. He saved you to be His servant, to know His will, and to declare His counsel all week long. Thank God that I know in whom I have believed. I know I'm, I'm saved. I know whom I serve. And, and the Bible says, but Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. He sent angels to be around me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? And to put it in more practical terms, if you don't learn to abide in Christ, you'll never have a life or a marriage that's characterized by love, joy, and peace. You'll never have the self-control necessary to consistently overcome temptation. You'll always be an emotional hostage of your circumstances. Why? Because apart from abiding in Christ Jesus, you can do nothing. Amen? But I've come by to tell you this day that victory is yours. Even in the midst of the fiery furnace, you can have the victory. Amen? Stand with me. The Bible says, and I'll run through this briefly, when Daniel, the people were against him, And they wanted to take him out. But as his habit was, three times a day he'd go to that window and pray. And anyone who violated the king's decree of not doing that, their fate was gonna take them to the lion's den. And the Persian newspapers probably ran a headline that day. And the news spread throughout the kingdom. Everybody's talking about it on the street. And Daniel, he soon heard a report but no one could pray to, to King Jesus upon penalty of death or to Jehovah God. What did he do? He did as he always done. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before. I love that. Nothing changed for Daniel. He kept on serving God. But now, you remember, I forget exactly the verse when, when the king, he hated it. He didn't want to have to put Daniel into the lion's den. And he told him, he said, Daniel, your God whom you serve continually is going to deliver you. Did you get it? <clears throat> He's a servant of God and he served him continually, and God would deliver him. Now, remember our text. Remember the promise. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Do you believe that promise? Can you stake your life on the faithfulness of God and the truth of his word? I mean, do you really trust him? I mean, do you really trust him to do what he said he would do? It's hard to do that when you're standing at the mouth of, a, of a, a den of hungry lions. And that's what Daniel did. They threw him into the pit, put a stone across the top with the king's seal on it and walked off. Now I, I'm sure they said, that's the end of old Daniel. We won't have to worry about him anymore. And they go back, the king goes back to his palace but he can't sleep. He couldn't wait for morning. And around verse 19, it says he rose very early and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a passionate voice to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Or like we would say, Daniel, can you hear me, Daniel? Are you still alive? Did your God save you from those lions? And the people I kind of think they were talking under the breath. Yeah, he's alive, all right. He's dead as a doornail. <clears throat> and then he heard a voice. Verse 21. Oh, King, <laughs> live forever. Everybody's standing around there. I'm sure they were speechless. And that's Daniel's voice. He's alive. He wasn't killed. Verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. So that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. What did the king do? Get that man out of there, break that seal open. In the last part of verse 23 says, And no manner of hurt was found on him because he believed in his God. Explain that according to human logic. You can't. The weapon didn't prosper. Because Daniel was a servant of the living God and God wasn't finished with Daniel. And I forget what verse it is, but when all is said and done, the Bible says that when he gathered that group that bottled his accusations against him, they threw them down and before their body ever hit the floor of the den, they broke their bones and killed them. I tell you, when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, Yes, you may have some bad days. You might have some hard times. You might have some grievous times. You might have some times you don't know if you're going to make it or not. But how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Same thing. Serve the Lord continually. Would not bow down to the idol. And what happened? Did we not cast three into that fire? Who is that fourth man walking around in there with them? Amen? Well, hallelujah. All I know is, James, that when the devil comes at me like a flood, all I got to do is cry out. I might not say no more than just Jesus. Jesus. And he knows everything I'm saying when I say Jesus. He picks me up. Jesus. Lord, I, I, I'm going through this bad trauma. Jesus. And that same Jesus will come to your rescue. I wouldn't trade being a Christian, Tommy, for nothing. With all of my faults and all of my shortcomings, I wouldn't trade serving Jesus for nothing. Amen? There ain't nothing like Jesus. That's why it's hard for me to understand that there's people that go to churches week in and week out and they're just as lost as a billy goat in a hailstorm don't know nothing about Jesus. Their preachers don't teach about Jesus. All they can talk about sometimes is a fish fry or or what I did here and, and look what, my gracious, just look at this country of ours. Jesus, we need your help bad. And guess what? The Bible says he's coming back just like he said he was. You know, let me tell you this. I believe the devil said, if I can shut them up, I'll stop people from being influenced for God. But God said, not so fast, devil. No weapon formed against my servants shall prosper. No scheme that you devise against those who are serving me will succeed. And hardships may come, and we might want to panic, but hold on to God's unchanging hand. Amen? Amen. I've read God's word that just one angel is going to take care of Lucifer on that day when he's sealed up for a thousand years. Yeah. One day, just one angel. And after a thousand years, it's going to be loosed for a little while. And it's going to go to and fro, but all of God's children that were born again are with him. And after that, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire where the Bible says he's going to burn forever. Yeah. And you know what another place it says in, in Philippians 2 and 10? At the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen? Do you know him this morning? Are you a servant of the most high? If not, you can know him before you leave this place. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that your word is just that, the truth, the truth. And your word set on fire will keep us, will burn out all of the dross that the enemy may try to to come against us with. But we know, Lord, that you have come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus, anybody in this room that that your Holy Spirit has dealt with and, and knocked on their heart's door, this is their day. Today is the day of salvation. Not next week, not tomorrow, But today, and you're calling them, and Lord, I believe you're calling your own children to just step up a notch and say, I'm gonna go all in with you, Lord, and go witness to as many people as I possibly can. So Father, as you hover over this congregation, touch those hearts of those that your spirit's dealing with and minister to them, God, as only you can because we believe that we're in the closing days of history, and we would that none perish as well, that all would come to repentance in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When it says every knee's gonna bow, Satan's gonna bow a knee. Amen, In that day, and he's about to become toast. Praise the Lord. And we do win. Amen. Would you give him praise this morning? for who He is. And again, if you're here and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life or invited Him into your life, then you need to do that before you leave here. It's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and clean me up. I repent before you. I ask you, Lord, to just come into my life. That's as simple as it is to say it. But you gotta work on it as you allow him to do you in your life what he wants to do. And that takes a while. You didn't learn to walk in one day. It took you a while before you started walking from your crawling. That same way as a Christian. You're a baby Christian. And you can grow to a young child stage Christian. And then a young man stage Christian. And then to an old man stage Christian or woman. But all of our life we should be learning, studying, growing because the enemy does not give up until your heart stops then it can't do nothing else to you but we can have the victory how many want the victory? Amen victory in Jesus is ours so Lord Jesus I thank you again for your amazing grace and God you know the hearts of everybody here I pray Lord that you touch and minister and work in them as only you can Be with our visitors as they go back home. Random traveling mercies. God, we thank you for who you are in Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.